lump off mom what's wrong with me can you keep your evil doing quiet finn is dealing with some heavy stuff over here unacceptable i'm not cut out for adventuring finn you messed the beat up i just want to sit here and moan then i'll moan with you buddy Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Conversation Parade. I don't even know if it's a the, but it's definitely Conversation Parade. An Adventure Time podcast from the Infinite Guest Network. I am Mike Eagle. I'm a rap artist, and I host another podcast called Secret Skin. And I'm here with John Moe. Hey, John. Hello, Mike. John, we like to watch television. We do. Television is a, it's a nurturer. It is an entertainer. It is a, a, a beacon. <laughs> Uh, and specifically, we watch the animated show Adventure Time. So on this podcast, we talk about the show, we talk about the characters and the themes and the mythology, plus we talk to the people who make the show. This week, we'll hear from Elizabeth Ito, one of the storyboard artists and a supervising director for Adventure Time. I was just really happy to write this one joke where, um, like, the in Slumber Party Panic, um, they're playing Truth or Dare, and the, the cupcake takes his wrapper off. That's supervising director Elizabeth Ito. We'll hear that interview a little bit later in the show. But first, we're going to talk about our top five villains. Yes. On Adventure Time. They're, they're, you ready to do this, John? I'm ready to do this. And there are so many that, uh, that like, I, when you had brought up this idea, like top five villains. I'm like, oh, come on. How many villains are there? There are tons. There are so many. So many. So many. So and, many. Uh, do you want to run through our honorable mentions first? Yeah. 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 Let's do that. Okay. So for my honorable mentions, this one really, I they're, they're thin as a group, and so I couldn't really include them in my top five, but it's the hooligans who love candles. Uh, mm. They're just some thieves who love candles. I have Maja the Sky Witch on my honorable mentions. The Alpha. I do like the Maja. Maja's great. The Alpha Hug Wolf. Jake, hurry! Is he crushing you, man? No, he's just hugging me gently. Oh! I do like the Hug Wolf. The Hug Wolf. Uh, Princess Bubblegum was on my honorable mention villains list. Uh, now, is this her as, as the Lich? No, no, this is just, is her, just her as, as being a nosy uh, oh, okay. uh, fascist. Um, I said tight. Yep. The scary deer uh, who <laughs> has hands under his his hooves. And then also... Quick, uh, scary deer question. Yes. Scary deer question. Got to interrupt you. Yes. Scary deer question. Okay, okay. I was wondering, is the scary deer the same deer that Magic Man was talking to when he was on the side of the railroad? I'm going to say yes. At the beginning of Sons of Mars. I'm going okay, to say good. yes. Because I want to say yes. Yeah. And that, that deer just sort of got a little extra troublemaker evil rubbed off on it. And uh, and the hands I'm just going to chalk up to mutations. But scary deer. Ugh. And then fi- so scary. Final honorable mention, everyone's dad. Just everybody's dad on the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> All the dads That's are trouble. Bad, yeah. All the dads are bad. Oh, the bad, bad dads. Bad, bad dads. My goodness. Who are your honorables? Well, I have two honorable mentions. One of them is Door Lord, who, um, you know, has the power to create a door anywhere and Mm -hmm. steal stuff from people. And and I guess was trying to teach uh, our heroes a lesson about friendship. But then he got beat up at the end of it anyway. And I thought that was great. (laughs) I thought that was fantastic. How they like. It's nice to see a villain get beat up. 
yeah, they had that moment where they realized what he was doing, and they went ahead and beat him up anyway. Like, that's great. Um, because he shouldn't take stuff from people no. and not explain. No, you get beat up <laughs> you know? if you do that. Uh, and then my other honorable mention is one of my favorite characters. I really wish that they would bring him back at some point is The Farm. Are you familiar oh, with the farm? The farm, yes. This is an enormous uh, monster, kind of a sleepy monster whose kind of turtle shell sort of carapace is a barn. Yeah, and like yeah, it's, he can't really hold his body up, but he's like a really good fighter. Yes. And people come and challenge him, and he just beats people up and talks crazy to him. He's kind of like Floyd Mayweather or something. Like he just like <laughs> talks crazy. Give up, worms! My fight power is supreme. I'm too freaking legendary for you. He's such an adversary, of course, that like you know Jake and Finn ended up turning against each other, just training for him because he's such a serious adversary. Yeah, and it's not about any kind of evil philosophy or greed or anything he's just he fights everyone he's just yeah. it's just about the fighting itself it's like this on the farm you want to take on the farm you want to take on the farm let's try it you know like i, I just i appreciate that and then a, a character called the train shows up and everybody expects that the train <laughs> will be a worthy adversary for the farm and the farm just stomps him just creams him handily <laughs> breaks his legs ow my legs are backwards I mean, Finn and Jake had to cheat. Yeah, yeah, they really <laughs> you know did. What I mean, like, they had to cheat. The yeah. farm is tough. So those are my honorable mentions. All right, well, let's get yeah. into our countdown here. Who do you have for number five? Number five, I have Kioth. Now I have your demon blood as well. Except it's not demon blood. It's a frozen grape juice that was blessed by the priest. I wrote a little piece of poetry about all of them again. Okay. okay. Yoga practicing blood demon still has it out for Joshua. Can't tell Jake from Joshua. Can't tell his own blood from grape juice. <laughs> I don't know why that kills him necessarily, but he just drank some grape juice and died. Um, but yeah, his uh, his blood was the blood that formed the uh, the blood demon sword that Finn had for a while. I like my demons to have preconceptions that they're blinded to. That, <laughs> like, you, you, you think of demons as being wise as well as as evil, but this one's just a little bit dense and and jumps to conclusions. But he but he does lots of yoga, which I also find to be fantastic. Because Jake is bothering him because he's not trying to fight him, and he's like, "You're giving me tension in my neck and shoulders. I'm gonna go work that out." Where are we? This is my yoga room. Who do you have at number five? At number five, I have the Goo Monsters. Oh, I love them. I have also prepared poetry on each of my uh, entries Yay! on my list. And uh, mine, mine takes the form of haiku uh, because I need strict Ooh. rules. So the Goo Monsters, attracted by noise, toxins seep from their huge holes, non-cuddly nightmares. Because so often, <laughs> yeah. so these these are monsters. We see them uh, at various places. James, the uh, wafer cookie ice cream sandwich guy, turns into one, sacrifices himself to the goo monsters so that Jake, Finn, and Princess Bubblegum can survive. We see them pursuing uh, Simon Petrikoff and Marceline when uh, 996 years ago. So these things have been around for a long time, and they have huge holes all over their body through which they ooze this green toxic goo um and what really strikes me about these guys is there is nothing cute about them like i'm surprised that my own kids having seen all these adventure time episodes don't have 
goo monster nightmares. And they seem to they seem to have been created due to exposure to like that the lich ooze from uh, from the mushroom bomb. Oh yeah. Yeah, they they're kind of lich yeah, green, think, aren't they? Right, right. All right, at 4, I have Darren the Ancient Sleeper. I do love Darren. <laughs> Darren I love is a, a enormous tree and rock giant uh, who is awoken uh, in order to help Maja the Sky Witch conquer uh, the the Candy Kingdom, and he's he's been around for a very long time. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get to my haiku about Darren the Ancient Sleeper. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath. <laughs> All right, Darren the Ancient Sleeper, sleep. And destruction, his only states of being, now craves meals and death. Very much so. So he's he's awoken, and he doesn't quite get what the purpose of the mission is, or why the candy people need to be destroyed. But it's just his natural state to to destroy things. So he's going to go along with it, even though he doesn't fully understand it. That moment that him and Maja have when he's awakened and she's explaining. Like this shirt that was once the prized possession of Princess Bubblegum. With the feelings in this shirt, I was able to summon you. He's like, wait, uh, I don't walk me through this. I walk thought, which is fantastic. Like to me, like that, <laughs> like that's why the show wins my heart is because, you know, they have they have the um, the giant sleeping monster stop and have the witch explain to him what? Wait a minute, what are we doing? <laughs> why? <laughs> what why is this now? This? And. And they kind of have to come to some sort of agreement. Yeah, and he has his own agenda, too. He's, he said he's going to grind them up to season his meals, which he will eat for eternity. And right. Maja says, yeah, that's not really part of my plan, but let's go with this. We can, we can make it work. Who do you have at number four? At number four, I have uh, one of our favorites, Ricardio. 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 So, Ice King's heart grew arms and legs. When charm doesn't work, try kidnapping. Oh my! <laughs> That's my Ricardo impression. I just I just debuted it. That was it. That was very promising. Um, <laughs> there are other characters you keep coming back to, but Ricardo is one of them. What explain the the uh, prolonged appeal? I just just uh, as a concept. I just like that as a concept. Uh, the the disembodied heart thing. I just think this is very rich. And um, when I was thinking about it. Recently, um, we were coming up with this list. I think uh, I had this thought. I was going to ask you if you think that uh, the traits of Ricardio were created by the crown. Since Ricardio doesn't Mm. seem to be what Simon's heart would look like or act like. I'm wondering if the crown immediately affects the heart. Interesting. So so all the... uh the kind of charm of the Ice King and the kind of uh, bumbling nature of him isn't a true crown expression, but the 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 conquest of uh, and and the will to power, mm-hmm. as represented by Ricardio, is is pure Scandinavian crown. I, I think it might be. I think that might help me to understand the difference between how Ricardio is and how Ice King is and how Simon is like that seems to be uh, a being a couple degrees apart from how Simon behaves 
So I'm wondering if most of that difference is crown influenced. What I find fascinating about Riccardio is that I can feel bad for him when he's clearly a bad guy. Like he he wants to he wants to like marry the princess Princess Bubblegum's heart or steal her heart out of her body or something. Now I'm going to cut out Princess Bubblegum's heart and make out with it. And I think it's I think I really started to feel for him when he fashioned his sort of crudely attached arms and legs thinking that that would make him like a regular person and that he could just sort of pass in society and and get away with things better only to find himself much more easily torn apart limb from limb by princess bubblegum and you don't leave your heart exposed i just wanted to impress you i just feel for the guy i don't feel anything for him i actually i actually no. like watching him get beat up um, if he had, you know, built the sinewy body and then he just like mm-hmm. tried to go and hang out with the princess, I think I feel bad for him, but he like kidnapped right. people. <laughs> you but know the, what I mean? but like, the ice king kidnaps a lot more people and you like him just fine. That's true. Oh gosh. Oh, you exposed my hypocrisy so <laughs> handily. I, I, okay. Okay. I have, I have some more to chew on now. My, okay. my spiritual, uh, my spiritual barometer is questionable yes uh who do you got at three at three i have orgalorg the orgalorg uh, cosmic jellyfish compressed by our atmosphere into a penguin shape okay we'll walk through every door and try to eat every comet <laughs> nice now the the orgalorg is is terrifying really yeah. i mean because it is it is so charming vocally but so yes terrifying i agree intent. I agree. So calm and smooth. Destroy worlds, crush anyone blocking the door, feel their bones crumple and their goose spill out. I mean, I wonder if we've seen the last of the Orgolorg. I'm not really sure. I think we have, but... Yeah, I'd be okay with that. He is one of my favorites, so... Yeah. Um, but I'd be okay. okay. I'd be okay if he were dead. Uh, you ready for Gunther to just be Gunther again? Yeah, but then there's a the question of Gunther was ever Gunther because didn't Org... I don't know. I'm a little confused because, especially remember when Gunther had the uh, the demonic wishing eye, yeah, and yeah. he was just so awful then. I'm like, what? Like, you know, was his he been Orgolorg this entire time, just like kind of trapped in, in in Gunther meat? And does Orgolorg exist in that uh, spooky uh, kitten child that uh, that Gunther had? Mm. There's that? that. Yeah, yeah. Gunther, Gunther yeah. was pregnant. Oh, yeah. If Orgolorg existed in Gunther, and Gunther had a kitten, baby, egg, then surely that that some Orgolorgness must have transferred to the baby, right? We do have a young Orgolorg. Oh, we have a young Orgolorg. All right. <laughs> oh. Sorry, John. All right, all right. Let's I'll go to your to number, number three. three. Yeah, please. At number three, I have Hunson Abadir, Marceline's dad. I do like him, too. Balancing being dad with ruling the nightosphere. Just have <laughs> heart. Evil heart. <laughs> so this is another one of these worlds that, that makes you kind of wonder about death. Because he is, 
He is deathless. We've we've established this. He rules the Nidosphere, which is not the same as the Flame Kingdom or the Dead World. And I don't think the same as hell necessarily, although I think it comes the closest to hell out of any of the the sort of parallel worlds that uh, that we've seen so far. Um, But he's uh, he's a father who wants what's best for his daughter, but also sort of wants what's best for himself. Right. Uh, like, like a typical adventure time dad. (laughs) Um, and what I think makes him a good villain is that you're never quite sure what he's up to. Sometimes he's trying to get Marceline to take over running the nidosphere so he can just sit around in his underwear and, and take it easy. Um, Sometimes he's out to suck out the souls of every living creature on earth. Sometimes he just wants to kind of be lazy and goof around for a while. And it's it's kind of hard to read his motivations. And it does seem to be his motivation sometimes just like to to play weird games with Marceline's heart. Dad, you tricked me. I know. I'm sorry. Aren't you scared? Your son is six, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't you terrified of... Like how you're going to relate to him when you're when he's a grown up, <laughs> like when he's out, when he's like 22. This is this is the age I'm really scared of, or like early to mid 20s for my kids when they're trying to kind of establish what they want to be, and you know maybe they're they're done with school and they're kind of aimless and they're working a crappy job, and you just want to go in there and fix them and tell them what to do, mm-hmm. but they're grown ups, so you can't. Like I'm I'm already nervous about about that point in my kids lives and my oldest is 14 so it's still you know 10 years away what i'm talking about but uh I, it's it's just it's already making me nervous yeah i guess you can't be prepared for it you know the, the i guess the most you can hope is that they will try to communicate all of these um these difficult things that they're going through to you even yeah. though they probably lack the emotional vocabulary at the time right <laughs> you know i guess you just you would want to hope that they would try and then maybe you guys could figure something out but you know i guess i guess you can't you never can tell you know no no i mean and i wonder too like if uh once my kids are grown up and and they're, <laughs> they're complaining about me stealing their fries if i'll uh <laughs> if i'll feel a little more empathy for hunts and abadir uh all right Number two on my list of Adventure Time villains, uh, I have, he only made one appearance, King Snuggadoodle, a.k.a. the Cute King. We're not cute, we're evil, and we're here to dominate you! King Snuggadoodle, your weapons are emotions, and your fragile army. Yes. So this is a ruler of a, of a troop of uh, adorable little mushroom guys mm-hmm. uh, who in moments of great excitement, tend to lose their limbs uh, and and literally fall apart, fall to pieces. Um, and the cute king is very upset because he wants to he wants to kill Finn and Jake and take over their house, um, but can't do it because his troops are awful. Um, and you know, I had a I had a memory of this episode of this poor, adorable but inept military leader. Uh, but there's so much more to this episode. If you watch this episode, the first half of it, the the cute king presents himself, and uh, they they laugh at him, and he right. retreats. But then he also knows their names, and mm. uh, and it kind of scares them. And then members of his army, his soldiers, uh, infiltrate 
Finn and Jake's house and kind of play tricks on them and scare them in the middle of the night <laughs> and really legitimately scare them. Like if you can't see these guys, they're really, really scary. But then once you see them, they're adorable and the threat is passed. Right. Eventually, they encourage the cute king to use cuteness to his advantage and weaponize it. And then that works out for everybody except the cute king's later victims, presumably. <laughs> but strength isn't your strength. Adorable cuteness is. Can I use it to control others? Um, yeah, sure. Just be righteous about it. Who do you have at number two? Number two, I have the lich. The lich. The lich. The lich is at number two. This makes me really excited for number one. <laughs> yeah, well, don't hold your breath. Yeah. It's not going to be that exciting. But, um, the lich. Right. The lich is what everybody points to as the villain in Adventure Time. Yep. Uh, green Comet of Death or Walking Mushroom Cloud. Matters not. White slime hath made him a very sweet boy. <laughs> so this is the issue with uh, with sweet pea, mm-hmm. which is when the lich gets covered in in babiness and becomes sweet pea. Do you think he will revert to being the lich, or do you think he's just going to be a baby or grow up to be a big fat adult human forever? I mean, he's had he's had a you know at least one pronounced lich moment with the king of U in Toronto. Where you know they were, they were going to attack him, and he went full lich. And I don't know if he brought them into his mind or whatever, but he freaked them completely out. So, um, and there's and there's something interesting that he said too. He said that he had learned something from them. I have, I have learned, learned much from, from you. you. Thank you, my teachers, and, and now for your education. Before there was time, before there was anything, there was nothing. So what it seems like is maybe, you know, whatever goal he has in mind right now, that might help him to uh, to accomplish it. I fear I fear for everybody in that situation, everybody mm-hmm. in the the pig trunks household, because I I fear for Sweepy that his his gentle nature will be occluded by the lich. And I fear for for tree trunks because, as we've talked about, she's. I, I wonder if she's too self-involved to really be an effective caregiver. Mm. And as I've said before, I I worry about Mr. Pig's temper. You see him getting angrier and angrier. I think he has some rage issues. And, Did you, um, you remember when you he know, slapped I mean, Finn I, around? I thought that was hilarious. He slapped Finn around because Finn told Tree Trunks to get those hot buns up here. Get those hot buns in here, girl. Yeah. He was talking about some actual hot buns that she had baked. And he, I mean, he must slap Finn like five times. Like, no no words. <laughs> just like, picked him no up words. and just started slapping. Why are you hitting me? I was just talking about Tree Trunks' hot All right. Number one villain of Adventure Time. You want to yeah. go first? I'll go first. Because uh, all right, who do you got? Answer it could at this point in in our journey doing this podcast, this answer could not possibly be exciting to anyone. To me, the number one <laughs> Adventure Time villain is the man, the Magic Man. Try to understand. Try to understand. Try, try, try to understand. It's the Magic Man. <laughs> okay, Magic Man. Lay the poem on me. Yeah, Martian exile in a crop top and Pharrell Williams hat. Normie now, <laughs> normie now, but still magic to me. 
That's right. He becomes a normie, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's a normie. He's a normie. His plot backfired, a, and Betty's got his powers now, and, and he's a uh, normie, so he's going to go get smoothies, because that's what he thinks normies do. <laughs> he's gonna go. I love that. I love that line. That's If you have to think of what normal people do, they just they go get smoothies. <laughs> you love Magic Man so much. Why is he your number one villain? I thought he, he'd be like your number one hero. Well, he's never done a nice thing. I, I watched a lot of his episodes again recently, and he's never done a good thing for anyone. Um, that's true. You know, uh, even in trying to help Betty, he's really just trying to help himself get back to Mars. Like he's not—he's not a good entity by any means. And you know, as I'm watching the chronicles of his not goodness, um, I keep asking myself, why do I like him so much? And I finally figured it out just today, John. What is it? I believe this character is the best, consistent, and amazing vocal performance on the entire show ah, i think the way okay that he talks the things that he says and just the 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 vocal quality of this character i believe is is why i enjoy seeing him every time like like i was watching the end of um sons of mars and you know right when jake's molecules get dispersed and he magic man gets his magic back he's like <laughs> just like always i win again just like always <laughs> like, just, I, I love stuff like that and he gives you know he um he left that little bag of magic people with finn and he crawls away and says i'm not coming back <laughs> like, i was i think it was the mars episode you're talking about i was watching that recently as well and uh when they step into his house, they step into something gooey, and he says, That's where I blow my nose all day. <laughs> all day. Right. Yeah, and even when they were on the way to his house, and, you know, he was he had Jake's body, he didn't have much magic, and Finn was, like, on his back trying to squeeze him, and he's singing, Let's go to my house! Let's go to my house! <laughs> like, what is wrong with this guy? And I did not realize at the time, and I had to look it up after I realized that the vocal performance was the reason that I was enjoying him so much. I did not know that this character was voiced by Tom Kenny. Also the Ice King, also SpongeBob SquarePants. Right. I had no idea. And and now I'm like, now I think Tom Kenny's made of voice magic. I think he's just voice magic in a human suit <laughs> because I don't understand how like, like, like Ice King and Magic Man sound zero alike. And they're both so fully yeah. formed and have fully different personalities that, that just ooze through the voice. I mean, it's 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 amazing. I, and I, and that is the reason why I love anything involving Magic Man, because I just love hearing him talk. Come on, let's go to my house. Come on, let's go to my house. All right. At number one, uh, I have Meemaw. Meemaw, assassin, second class. But once I take out a princess, I graduate to full membership. Aware of limits, but hungry for promotion, longs now for revenge. Mm. Um, so Meemaw is a tiny cat assassin. And uh, interesting story behind Meemaw. It was uh, based on a piece of fan art uh, for the gender-swapped uh, universe of Fiona and Cake. Uh, a fan came up with a cat uh, to have opposed the monochromacorns in a mythical cat monochromacorn war, mm. much like the dog rainicorn war referenced uh, in the standard universe. And the creators of the show liked it so much that they 
just hung onto it and turned Mimao into a, a character in the in the regular world. So Mimao is a is an assassin. I, I think he's supposed to kill Wildberry Princess. Yeah, he's, he's trying to kill Wildberry he, Princess for that promotion. Right. So he can go from being an apprentice assassin to being a a full assassin. And uh, you know, when I think of when I think of villains, I I, I like the villains who who have some ambiguity about them, like Hunson Abadir mm-hmm. and uh, Darren the Ancient Sleeper, you know, that where there's there's a little bit of conflict or whether there's, you know, multiple ways of looking at something. But I also kind of have a thing for just the purely motivated, they're a killer because they're a killer. And that's mm. what Mimao is or wants to be. And uh, and that's the, the conflict that he's working through. Plus, it's just... It's just fun to have a tiny cat be a, be an assassin. That's just fun to watch. You've ruined me. I have to wait a whole year to retake the assassin's task. So that's our top five. Uh, listeners, what are your top five villains? We want to hear from you. We want to talk about it. Uh, so you can reach out to us. Go to infiniteguest.org. Find the conversation parade page. Find the little link on there that says send us an email. And then send us an email. Get in touch with us. <laughs> We have Elizabeth Ito on the show with us today. She's a storyboard artist that has worked at Sony Pictures Animation, DreamWorks, Disney, Fox, and lots more. She was a storyboard artist on episodes like Slumber Party Panic. It's the episode where Finn and Princess Bubblegum have to protect the Candy Kingdom from candy zombies. She's also worked on Trouble in Lumpy Space, where Jake gets bitten by the Lumpy Space Princess and he gets the lumps. So Finn and Jake have to go to Lumpy Space to cure him of the lumps. She's currently working on the show as a supervising director. Elizabeth, welcome to Conversation Parade. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How did you get started on the show? Um, I was just, I was really good friends with Penn uh, from school. And uh, we would hang out together a lot. And then um, we have kind of, some of the our senses of humor are, are the same. So uh, I'm trying to think. I think I had just finished at another studio, and I got a call from him, and he just asked me if I wanted to take a storyboard test for his show. Um, and I was really pumped to do it, but I was also nervous because sometimes it's kind of hard when it's like a friend where uh, you really admire their humor and, mm-hmm. and just their their style that it kind of makes you nervous to take a test for them because you want to you wanna do a good job and you don't want to disappoint. How does that test work? Oh, for when I took it, it was like they give you um, sort of just like a smaller version of how you do storyboards on the show where they'd give you like a, a short synopsis of something that was supposed to happen. And then like I think, I, I don't even remember what the test was when I took <laughs> it, but it was, I remember it was something with Jake and uh, Jake and Finn. Well, I mean, that's pretty pretty basic, but, uh, and then you just have to kind of create like a story so that they can kind of see if you have like the same sort of sensibility for writing that they're right. looking for, right. which is probably like the most important thing on this show. And yeah, I mean, it, it was just basically that. And I was really trying to make it genuinely funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you you did the storyboard test and then uh, from then. Yeah. And then uh, Penn checked it out and he, re- he really liked it. And then um, they, they offered me the job and my first board partner was, or only board partner on the show was Adam Muto. And I think at the time he was 
when I first came on, I don't know if he was doing boards yet. I think he was um, he was working as a writer, and then he transitioned to boards uh, with with me. <laughs> I mean, what was it like? What was the environment like at that time? Like, what were some of those pitch meetings like for those earliest episodes? Um, I think for me and Adam, they went they went really well. Um, I think some of it was, I guess, it was hard because. The show was really, I mean, it still is really different, but back mm-hmm. then it was really different from a lot of the things that I think the majority of people in animation were used to working on. I see. Uh, so some of them were, it was just trying to find board artists that had the right kind of uh, voice. I think specifically for humor it was really hard because it's this, it's this really rare mix of like um, humor but also like heart. Right. But in this really original way. So I think it was just honing in on like how to get these funny situations in there. But I mean now it's it's sort of like how the show is, but I think back then it was it was really hard. It's really hard to direct somebody to do that because I feel like the way that characters talk specifically is very like it's like regular regular people. I'm just thinking out loud. What? Can't think out loud? Oh, is that what you're doing? Yeah, man. Jeez, don't be judgy. I'm not. Yeah, you are. How so it's hard to that? find, like, find a, a voice that way, like to tell somebody right like yourself, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, it does make um, sense, and and that does seem to be one of the things that sets the show apart is how it's in this 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 fantasy land, and there's all these amazing things going on, but the conversations between people are very like casual <laughs> and yeah. there's lots of you know there's lots of slang and, and and that kind of stuff thrown in you know it is it is a different it's not the it's not the conversational tone you would expect when you see what the art in the world looks like you know yeah 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 totally um and i think a lot of the the situations and some of the boards that make me laugh like the way they're written is is really like the person that wrote it um that's kind of how they talk and <laughs> Like, there's something about that that's really, really funny. Uh, like, even just the, like, sometimes the slang words they choose to throw in right. are, like, um, original to them. What's a, can you can you give us an example of a slang word that was just a word that a, that a board artist or somebody was using and became part of the show? I mean, I just remember early on, like, I went to, I think when they first showed the the very first, like, pilot short that they did before it was even at um, Cartoon Network... I I even just remember that like how Penn had used stuff like I they don't do it now because it's it, it became such a um, kind of like a standard thing where they were saying like mathematical and algebraic oh, okay, okay. Um, but I remember the first screening I went to where where that was the the funny slang that Penn had thrown in there and um, like kids coming out of the screening were it, it was like at Comic Con and these kids were coming out and they were already saying it like to each other that's all, that's <laughs> i remember being really like impressed and thinking this is going to be a thing because those <laughs> kids are already talking like the cartoon they just watched and they just saw it like nobody's ever seen it before what were some of the conversations you guys had about like the particular aesthetics of the show like like in terms of the color palettes and like which characters get which kind of eyes like how did that stuff play out 
Well, early on, it was a, it was a little different than when I like I took a long break from the show and then I came back. But um, I remember like sometimes uh, to make something funny in a board, if you made like Finn's eyes, like normally they're dots, right? And then sometimes people would draw them like with whites around them, just just to get like a funny expression. Um, and I think when I first started, people did that, and then when I came back. Nobody did that. <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I have a hard time remembering any time seeing whites around Finn's eyes. I must not have been paying very close attention early on. There might have just been a few episodes where they did it, because I think after um, after a couple times, like maybe it was Penn. I, I'm not exactly sure who, but somebody thought it took it kind of took you too much out of the out of the situation to do that. Um, so we don't really do that anymore. I think unless it's like they have it for the whole thing. Um, that was one stylistic thing. When you guys were uh, boarding, especially those early episodes in Slumber Party Panic, that's yeah. episode one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I mean, I think the first one they actually showed might have been this businessman. I forgot what it was called. It was where Business these... Time or Business, yeah, something like that. But I think the premiere episode, yeah, was uh, Slumber Party Panic and maybe lumpy space and since those were like some of the you know the earliest episodes like what it was were there things that you guys were trying to make sure you got across that were going to be like uh tentpole characteristics of the show i don't know if there was tentpole stuff i mean i know with uh princess bubblegum for me she was already just a really original character i think one of the one of the best things was just to to be writing stuff that i knew wasn't going to be um like when they recorded the voices, it wasn't going to be um, really cartoony. Mm. Um, so it was really exciting to be able to write dialogue where uh, I knew they weren't going to like ham it up once once it got to record stage. Like it, like I, I really enjoy the sound of just regular voice kind of humor. And then just trying really hard not to to write anything um, like super cliche. <laughs> In in the jokes that you that you did right, were there any that you're like to this day particularly proud of that you got in there? Um, <laughs> I was just I was just really happy to write this one joke where, um, like the in Slumber Party Panic, um, they're playing Truth or Dare, and the the cupcake takes his wrapper off. Mister Cupcake. Sus or dare? Dare! I tell you to take off your wrapper! Uh. <laughs> and I, I was really proud of that because Penn <laughs> laughed. And uh, there was also, like, I think, I don't remember what it ended up being in the actual episode, but I remember um, the cupcake ends up being, like, chocolate or something. Whoa, I didn't know he was chocolate. And then somebody asked Jake, like, do you like uh, chocolate or vanilla? I think they changed it to something else later, but she asked him, like, do you like... Do you prefer chocolate or fudge? I can't eat chocolate or fudge because I'm a dog and they would probably kill me, but... Hmm, probably... neither. Right. <laughs> I was really proud of that. That's awesome. So, you took a break from the show. Yeah. And you came back and you're now a supervising director. So, what does that mean in terms of like what you do day-to-day on the show? Um, it's it's a lot different. Um, it's it's sort of supervising different teams of board artists, and then uh, so I guess my main job would probably be um, kind of working on animatics. I think maybe 
when you guys talked to Adam, he told you a little bit about what animatics are. Yeah, but you should, you should tell me again because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a, a it's like a rough blueprint of like um, the timing for what the episode is going to be. So it's just like okay. the storyboards and the this the voice and the and some rough music cut together so that um, you can kind of watch it in a video and see what the final episode is generally going to be like. Um, I see. And so we usually take that and uh, a few things, like we try to get that down to the right amount of time. We basically are trying to kind of like edit it down to 11 minutes, but make sure that we don't lose any um, important story points or jokes or just things that make the episode both clear and funny. The other part of the job is probably addressing uh, any kind of notes people might have, and probably the biggest part of that are like standards and practice notes, which are just things oh. where like you can't can't say that kind of word on TV. Or <laughs> I'm so curious about what they tell you guys that you cannot say because you guys seem to get away with so much. Yeah, it it depends. Um, it depends on because also we just started having. Uh, we're shown internationally now um, on a regular okay. basis, so there's a lot, there's like different things depending on whether you're talking about the kind of stuff you can say here or the kind of stuff that you can say like overseas, um, which I was really surprised because I think there's tighter rules overseas than mm. there are here about some stuff. I mean, I know, like, sometimes it's it's actions. Like, I know uh, overseas, they don't really dig it when characters spit for any reason. So mm, we, get, okay. we get a lot of notes that are like, don't have him spit here. Wow. Do they do they cut the episodes pretty differently when they uh, get shown um, overseas? Think, or are, they, are they different cuts? I think they used to, um, because we didn't used to um, sort of have notes from them so it was sort of just like they would have to take what we did and figure out if they could if they could show it um i see so i think i think now we try to give them like sometimes if there's like a word that means something different here or is is less uh i guess less offensive here um i i can't think of a specific example i get a lot of really really funny notes that I wish I could <laughs> I wish I could uh, talk about but they're just like um, I mean one really interesting thing is like like I um, last year I had a baby <laughs> and uh, oh congratulations thank you um, and right before I went on to maternity leave I was working on this episode um, Joshua and Margaret investigations and it was like Margaret's gonna have have Jake. She's like pregnant with Jake, um, and there were some notes about. The, I think it was the the language. Like we weren't. They didn't want us to say pregnant or something like that. And I think That's I was so sort of like, but I'm pregnant. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. This is the thing it's that okay happens. Okay with me. Like I don't know. <laughs> Switch directions here for a second. I want to know what characters uh, are you drawn to. Um. I really like Bimo, <laughs> but I think part of Everybody it is I'm, loves I'm friends with the, the voice. Oh, okay, with Nikki Yang. <laughs> yeah, just the way she talks makes me laugh. Um, so I do really like uh, LSP. I feel like that's a really cliche answer, like LSP, but um, she's really, for me, she was really fun to write for because it's, it's kind of fun to write like a spoiled teenager. Um, right. 
because hopefully, like, at least hopefully I don't act like that in real life. <laughs> so, like, it's fun to <laughs> write somebody that's acting like that. Yeah, she's got a, she's, she's got a weird heart for yeah. her character, too. Like, <laughs> you know, like, she really, is, she really is spoiled to the bone, but she's not, like, a malicious and malevolent person. Like, she's got caring. She's just weird about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. You've worked at a... Disney, DreamWorks, Nickelodeon, and Fox, and more. Um, is there something that makes the, the environment at Adventure Time unique? The sense of humor is so, like, I've, I've never worked on any other projects where I felt it was more my, my sensibilities and where right. you're kind of allowed to let that, let that shine and where it's appreciated. Sometimes where I've pitched stuff that's sort of my sensibility elsewhere and you get kind of like, that's a little weird. <laughs> but like here, it's not weird. So I like that. <laughs> yeah. What does it take to make Pendleton Ward laugh? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's indefinable. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> You're probably the expert at this point. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's just, uh, you got to be you. <laughs> like, I think he laughs at stuff that's really genuine. It's like what makes this show funny. It's like this combo of uh, something really weird, really genuine, and then just also like goofy, but not cliche. I don't know. <laughs> I hope he doesn't hear that. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was saying it's funny as you as you as you were answering. I was sitting here wondering, does he does he listen to this? <laughs> like, what do you think, hearing? <laughs> I hope so, too. Um, I'm glad you were able to uh, take the time and talk to us today. We appreciate it very, very, very much. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Conversation Parade and Adventure Time Podcast is a production of the Infinite Guest Network and American Public Media, toasted by myself, Open Mike Eagle, and John Moe. The Adventure Time end credit song you've heard on this podcast was written and performed by Ashley Erickson. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Thanks to Larissa Anderson, Steve Nelson, and Peter Clowney for helping make this podcast. And a special thanks as well to Cartoon Network. We want to hear from you. Go to infiniteguest.org and leave a comment in our brand new comment section. You can also click on the link to send us an email. We're on Twitter at Mike underscore Eagle, at John Moe, and at Infinite Guest.